Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the job interview experience. I'm a former executive recruiter, search firm owner, director of talent acquisition, and today your host of the job interview experience. Sonia Price is in the profession of empowering professionals to achieve outrageous career success, and she has the results to prove it. She's helped clients land their dream job and make up to $100,000 more per year at Google, Meta, Amazon, Microsoft, Starbucks, AT&T Mobile, and many more. Sonia has a master's degree in leadership and organizational development and is a certified career and executive coach, author of The Pivot Point System and Infinite Leader. Sonia is here to share how to start maximizing your earning potentials now, how to advance into leadership roles, how to become your own headhunter, and job search techniques that actually work. Sonia, welcome to the job interview experience. Hey, Matthew, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you today. Could you give us a glimpse of what you're into outside of work? Outside of work, yeah, it's such a great question because I think we focus so much of our life on what do you do for a living? Outside of work, I love to read books. I love to bike. I like game nights. I especially like geeky, like strategy games. And I live in the Pacific Northwest, so pretty much anything outside, hiking, kayaking, even just going on a walk when it's not raining outside. <laughs> Would you please just give us a brief overview of your career and what's built you up to where you are today? I have over 20 years of work experience now. Straight out of college, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do with my life or my career. And thankfully, I ended up landing a job at a startup company, and I was employee number two. And that ended up just giving me a wealth of experience right straight out of the gate. And that was so wonderful because I had an opportunity to try my hand at a lot of different things. So I actually progressed into leadership at a very young age and used that kind of as a leverage point to move on to other types of things. I consider myself to be a pretty dynamic individual. And so I've always wanted to do a wide variety of different things. And this is probably what eventually led me to become a career coach because I became very successful at pivoting 
and reinventing myself like at least a handful of times. So I've done everything from business administration to product management, sales, marketing, consulting, and then now career coaching. And I've also done some leadership training and consulting as well. Compensation is a top factor for selecting a job and then staying at that job. How can listeners change their thinking and start maximizing their earning potential? Oh, such a good question. I think one of the things is that first and foremost, we have to learn to think very strategically about our career path. So instead of just saying like, this is what I've always done, so this is what I'm going to keep doing, like actually taking a big step back and looking at first and foremost, like what do you love doing and what would give you that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment? But then looking at a range of options and looking to see which ones have the highest salary ranges. So there's a number of really great sites out there where you can go and actually do the salary research. And you want to look to see what what are the salary ranges for a variety of different roles and to look to see, okay, well, what would give me that sense of meaning and satisfaction and of the available options? What feels like the best fit for me? And then not only that, but you want to be thinking about titles and levels of titles. So where are you right now? What kind of experience do you have at this point and juncture in your career? And then does it make sense for you to move up to the next level? And the next level could mean a number of different things. That could mean moving into leadership or a higher level of leadership. It could also mean like niching down into your industry or your particular role. So you, be, you could become more of an expert in a specific thing. So if you are a product manager, but maybe you're going to start to focus more on products that include cloud computing or something like that. Like you're going to become an expert in the cloud computing space. And then you begin to know all things about AWS or like you find your technology, you find the thing that's like the right fit for you. And it doesn't have to be a specific technology, but you want to be thinking about how can you specialize so that your skill set is in higher demand and what skill sets do they actually pay more for? And is that the right fit for you? And is that the direction you want to go in your career? I really like what you said about niching down. Don't think of it as taking a step down. When people do that, taking that focus and trying to predict the future, right? How much is this going to be needed? How good can I get at this? How much will I enjoy doing it? Do you have any examples of people that you've seen do that and what the impact was? I think you definitely do want to be paying attention to what is the market looking for right now? And what will the market continue to look like in the future? Right now, what's hot? AI. Do you have any AI experience? If you don't, probably a good idea to be learning that in whatever capacity that it will impact you, your role, your industry, et cetera. Cloud computing, machine learning. These are all like technologies. And I typically work a lot with people in the tech field. But no matter where you are, what you're doing, if you're in biotech or the medical field or education or whatever it might be, what are the latest trends happening in your industry? So be on the lookout for that. Be thinking about that. Read blogs, watch videos, take trainings. Be aware of like, you may or may not even need the certifications, but be aware of what certifications are happening in your space. Mm -hmm. And does that help give you a leg up? Because if people are offering certifications, it probably means that there's a very high in-demand skill for that. So for, for a while, and still to this day, you know, agile, agile methodologies was a super big thing 
for a very, very, very long time, right? So people were getting like scrum master certifications and just learning about agile methodologies and now as well. Like now that's pretty saturated. So a lot of people know about agile today, which is great. You should have that in your back pocket. But like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And how do you get out ahead of that so you can be in demand? You asked for a specific example. Like I help clients do these things all the time. So it's really just a matter of helping them identify what the most in-demand skills are. One of the biggest stories that comes to mind is actually the opposite effect of this. I had a client who came to me and he had been a localization expert. So if you remember, like back around in the early 2000s, localization was the big thing. And anybody who had localization skills, they didn't even have to search for jobs. Like they could just get hired right off the cuff because Every company was trying to figure out how do we localize our website? How do we make it globally available? How do we do all these different things? For a good decade and a half, that was like a super high in-demand skill. And then this particular client came to me and he was like, I just can't get jobs anymore. And it was because his entire resume was all like he was just a localization expert all over his entire resume. And so I said, hey, we got to we got to look at like what skills are in demand for you and how can you leverage your past-based work experience but start moving in a new direction because employers are not looking for what you have, the skills that you have right now. They've learned how to automate all of those things. So now we need to figure out what else do you enjoy doing that's also in high demand that can get you the jobs that you're looking for. So we ended up going back and he ended up reinventing himself. We retooled his overall like technology profile and who he is and what he offers. He did some very quick online trainings and then ended up moving in a new direction. Got a great job, making more money. And, you know, in the end was significantly happier with that. But he just didn't have that foresight to look out and look out ahead of things to say, like he literally came to me, he's like, what am I doing wrong? And he had some blind spots and we all have blind spots. So that's why sometimes we have to go to mentors and coaches and people who could help us get that the more 30,000 foot view of the market to say, here's what's happening and what makes the most sense for you next. What's funny is the example you gave was exactly what was coming to mind for me in the mid 2000s. I knew a number of people who were, say, consultants or own own their own companies in the computer hardware business. Mm -hmm. It's a big company opens. Maybe they need to move all their computers. Maybe they need help with their printer, right? You call these people, they come in, they fix all that, which is still a fine job. But a lot of these people saw the move to software and that focus yeah. for, for, for folks. So instead of installing Windows from a disk for somebody on their computer, seeing how things are working in the cloud. And, and a lot of these people now own software yeah. companies. And that pivot that they made probably had a huge impact on whether they sank or, or swim. But then Definitely. looking forward to today, we see all these data centers and mm -hmm. you need mm -hmm. to run Ethernet cables or whatever is the bigger version of Ethernet cables. And now that hardware side is getting big again. Maybe not the yeah. same type of opportunities, but what you say niching down and then <laughs> opportunities change. Now software, everyone does software, right? Everyone helps with that. But now there's a lot of opportunities for these, just say, data centers that are blowing up and installing that. All over. Whether, yep, there's a, data centers everywhere. <laughs> contractor bringing in cable or doing the installation. So uh -huh. what Sonia said about having that foresight and just questioning, I think, even what you're doing, I've seen that happen in a lot of people's careers. And being willing to be flexible and adaptable makes the biggest impact 
on whether you can grow and choose to be willing to grow in that different direction. What steps can listeners take to advance into leadership roles? If you are in a position where you're looking to advance into a higher level role, whether it be leadership or something else, maybe you want to be a team lead or you just you want to lead a project or something like that. What you want to be aware of is what are the results required? Like what results do you need to be producing to be effective at that level? Because usually companies will hire or promote people who are already performing at the level of what they need. And I think there's a very common misconception that like if you've been with a company for a while and you've given them all this loyalty, that they should be giving you opportunities to excel in your career. And yes, they should. Like hopefully that's an ideal scenario where they say, okay, I see how hard you worked. I see what you're doing here. Let's give you an opportunity to move into something else. The challenge is that companies are so, there's so many competing agendas and priorities and managers are swamped. And as much as we want them to be looking out for us in our own career, that actually falls on our shoulders. That's our responsibility as a professional to be looking out for what's next for me and then how do I help like proactively create those opportunities for myself. Now, that usually ends up being in partnership with your manager or senior leadership inside of the organization, but it's up to you to be raising your hand to let them know the results that you're producing for one, but then also asking for the right opportunities where you can achieve the results that will then make you eligible for that next level. So a lot of companies will have things that like I often hear them called role guides or they come by a number of different names, but usually bigger name companies will have these things already predetermined. And then they say, okay, hey, we're looking at promoting Matthew. We're looking at promoting John. We're looking at promoting Sarah whatever, right? And we say, okay, in order to promote her, we need to, she needs to be producing at this level. She needs this level of education. She needs this level of skills. She needs this level of results. And oftentimes there will be these things called role guides where you can go and find exactly what that is. Sometimes those are made readily available to everybody. Sometimes you have to hunt them down. Sometimes you have to ask for them. But it's good to know these things because then when you want to get promoted, you can start to treat your promotion almost as a project plan where you say, okay, I'd like to move into a management role. Here's what my organization looks for in managers. I've already met these key objectives. Here's the areas where I need to fill the gaps. So, and that might mean things like you need to have experience running a project at a certain budget amount, or you need to have led a project that has X number of people involved in it. Or if you are a manager and you're looking to get into a higher level of leadership, it might be about managing a certain number of people for a certain amount of time. So there's very key objectives that are usually predefined. Now, if you work for a smaller company, those role guides oftentimes do not exist because they just don't have the the resources and the bandwidth to create those kinds of things. So... That's not necessarily a disadvantage, but what that means for you is that you need to clarify what that process needs to look like. And so regardless whether you're working with a large employer or a small employer, and if they have role guides or don't have role guides, you just need to start to create this project plan for yourself to say, what is required of me to be able to move to that next level? Here's where I've met those key objectives. Here's what else I need to do to meet those. 
And then you collaborate and partner with your manager to say, hey, look, I'd really like to get promoted by this time. Can we work together to make sure that I have the right opportunities to ensure that this can happen? And then it's a really great idea to manage that whole process over a period of time because promotions usually do not happen overnight. And you need to know when does this typically happen? It's do promotions only happen during annual review or can you have an off-cycle promotion? And if it only happens during annual review, then how far in advance do you need to have already produced all those results so that when the key decision makers get together to say, yes, we're going to give this promotion, you've already gotten all of those key components in place long before the decision even needs to happen. And then just continuing to work with your manager to say, hey, are we still on track to meet this goal by this point in time? What else do I need to do? What else do you need from me? Is there anybody else that I should be talking to? Because there is a lot that goes into that. But as long as you know all of the key things that need to be a part of it, and you proactively manage it and you get out ahead of the timeline, then that's really how you want to be thinking about this overall promotion or moving into a different type of role. And when you do these things, and there's not really a whole lot of excuses or resistance that can come. However, it does still come. So you just need to be prepared. Like if that does show up, then how do you handle it when it does arise? That's so good. And there are so many managers out there that want their team and individuals to grow and do what they can to help them. Keep in mind that many of them, they're so busy. They're just trying to make sure the department as a whole performs or they're worried and concerned about their own career. They should be helping you, but naturally we're all focused on where we're going. I love what you said about you have to ask. And if you Mm -hmm. don't ask, maybe the manager assumes that the stress level is high enough for you. Maybe they think that you have too much on your plate. So asking that question, what more can I do? How can we create a path for me? I love that idea. And it's just one of those things, if you don't ask, it's much less likely to happen. Again, there's so many good proactive managers out there, but many times they have someone managing them that's putting a lot of pressure on them for a thousand other things. And it's just not top of mind for them. (laughs) Not because they don't care, just because they have 17 other people that they're concerned with at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. The only other thing that I would add is your timeline for the listeners isn't, there's so much more that can happen that's outside of even your manager's control. Ask some questions about what the timeline is, but also understand that I, I wouldn't push it too hard is what I'm saying. Your manager might have just gotten budget cuts. Maybe they know some of the other managers are going to no longer be with the company, or maybe they need to make some changes. Understand that a lot of times there's a lot more going on. I think it's best to start with a light touch and then slowly progress into pushing more on this, depending on how much they give you back. If they seem Mm -hmm. eager and have a game plan, then I think it's good to step on the gas a little bit more. If you hear words like, this is really not a good time to talk about this, just take that into consideration. Maybe that means it's time to start looking at other opportunities outside the company. Also know that maybe according to how well you know your boss, maybe it is just they're having an awful week. They're getting a bunch of stuff thrown their way and it's best to circle back in maybe four weeks, six weeks, whatever makes the most sense. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All such good points. Maybe a few other things I would add to the conversation here as well is that, I me, mean, you're right. Changes happen in the organization all the time. 
reorgs happen, people leave, all of that, right? So, you know, what I was saying earlier about developing a plan is like as much of this as you can document, all the better. Because let's say that your team reorgs and then all of a sudden you have a new manager or your manager leaves the organization and somebody new is stepping in to fill their place. If you could have something pre-documented where you could say, hey, my previous manager and I were working on this thing. I'd like to catch you up to speed with how far we got in this process. And then I'd like to partner with you to carry out the rest of this plan. But then you already have something documented and it's not this like, he said, she said, well, my old manager was going to give me a promotion. Like, yeah. you need to pick up the, you need to pick up the ball and make it happen. And then as much as possible, like, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like, everybody is so busy. But if you can do a lot of this pre-work in advance, your manager will thank you for it. Because if you're not doing it, they have to do it. And then they have to present a case to their senior leadership as to why you deserve a promotion. And if you're doing a lot of this in advance for them, then it takes a lot of the work off their plate. And they're probably much more likely to help you if the circumstances align in the right way. I love it. So listeners of the show have probably heard me say many more times than they would prefer that I am a former headhunter and executive recruiter. I use those terms interchangeably. I think they are interchangeable. I think headhunter mm -hmm. sounds cooler. But sometimes I also <laughs> kind of feel like a jerk if I say headhunter. So <laughs> I am so excited for listeners to hear this from you. How can a listener or a job seeker work to become their own executive recruiter? Yeah, love this conversation. So first and foremost, having a helpful network can be a key component of this process in my mind. And very early on in my career, I got this key piece of advice, which I think is so helpful, which is build your network before you need it. So if you are proactively building your network throughout your entire career, then when you need it and you need to have a phone call with somebody who has gone on and has become in this very powerful position, and they remember you from 15 years ago and you've kept in touch along the way, they're going to take your call. So. The key thing about if you want to be your own headhunter is you have to know people in the right positions to talk to. Now, if you don't have a blue blood network and you haven't spent years and years building it, it's okay. You're just going to have to probably put a little bit more work into creating that for yourself. So, and even if you already have a lot of people to reach out to, you can still use this same technique that I'm about to share here. So there's this little site. I'm sure we've all heard of it called LinkedIn. And it's this wonderful search database where I to, you can... I used to actually, I used to live on LinkedIn. It was my home when I was an executive recruiter. Oh, yeah. It's this incredible database. You can pretty much find anybody that you need to. So if there's specific organizations that you're trying to target in your job search, where you're like, oh, I've always wanted to work for XYZ company. You want to go and actively build your network with people inside of that organization. And the closer that those people are aligned to the role that you want to land, the better. Because they have their ear to the ground. They know what's happening in their department. They may even be a decision maker or they can connect you with the decision makers. So then it becomes all about relationship building, reaching out, building connections, offering value and having the right questions. If a company is hiring for an open role, all the better because they already have approved headcount. They've already assigned budget to a specific position. 
So then you can reach out and you can talk to people and say, hey, I happen to see that your department is hiring for this particular position. I'm a very strong candidate for this role for these reasons. Here's the results that I produced. Wondering if you'd be willing to have a quick conversation with me about this and or if you'd be willing to refer me in for an open position. Now, a lot of people are willing to do this. Not everybody, but a lot of people are willing to do this because many companies offer what they call a referral hiring bonus. So if you get hired for an open role that they have and you stick around for 90 days or whatever their time frame is, that referring employee will oftentimes receive a cash bonus on their next paycheck. And some of these fees are pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. It could be anywhere from 500 bucks, and I've seen it go all the way up to Mm $5,000 for like a really high in-demand individual. Maybe even higher than that if it was like for an executive position or something like that. But if you can get internal employees to refer you in for an open position, that's a wonderful, great way to go about doing it. Employers will oftentimes have a slightly more preferential treatment for people who were who were referred in by an employee. And the only reason for that is because there's been all these kinds of research studies that have been done that show that if an employer hires a quote unquote friend of somebody who already works there, the retention rate for both employees dramatically increases. So if they know they're hiring a friend of somebody who already works there, they're like, great, both people are gonna stick around longer. That's awesome. This all works really well. That's like one method. And that's if there is an open position. From being on the hiring side, (laughs) one of the things that might surprise people is you might think, oh, that won't work because someone's going to say, oh, Matthew sent a random LinkedIn message to someone and that's why they're a referral. To be honest, all the noise in between like a referral and the point of doing an interview, it's just going to look like a referral. So you might think that, oh, this is too far-fetched. No one's ever, they're not going to care that I'm a random person who sent a message on LinkedIn. Most likely none of that is going to be conveyed and it's just going to say referral from Sonia Price. Yeah. And also from my experience, whether it's a terrible candidate or a good candidate, referrals just always stand out. Mm -hmm. It's just, it just looks different in the applicant tracking system. It'll be marked different or starred than the other applicants. So just two quick things to keep in mind for people who are listening to this and hopefully will take action on it. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing to think about with this too, with LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn is totally a numbers game. It's this huge database, right? So it's like, if you want to work for Starbucks or Google or Netflix or whatever, Tesla, whatever organization you want to work for, I've had people come to me and they're like, oh, I tried that. I tried that. And I'm like, oh, how many people did you reach out to? Well, one, two, three. But no, this is a numbers game. So you actually want to reach out to a number of people. And the cool thing is that if you're reaching out and you're building connections and you, let's say, let's use Tesla as an example, right? And then you actually get an interview with Tesla. What's the first thing that the people who are interviewing you do? They go look at your LinkedIn profile. And if they happen to see that you're already friends, connections with five people that are in the same department, what does that do for your status as a candidate? Regardless whether you had any conversation with those five people or not, they're like, oh, wow, 
Matthew already knows Sally and Bob and Jesse and duh, right? And that might even be a conversation starter when you first sit down for your interview. They might say, hey, how do you know Jesse? Oh, I was actually so excited about this opportunity that I proactively started reaching out and building connections with people in your department. So Jesse and I connected on LinkedIn, really excited about this opportunity and continuing to meet more people who work on your team. I mean, how would if you were in the interview shoes and a candidate sat down and said something like that, suddenly you're thinking, wow, this person is super proactive. They know what they want. They went after it and they've already caused results before they even started here day one. I think the go-getter attitude just to do it, to me, I would read into that as positive. If I hire this person and they can't figure out a solution to something or I want them to bring in a new idea or platform or whatever, the type of person that gets out and does this instead of more passively just applying to jobs, that would be the type of person I would want on my team. And I'll add on LinkedIn doing this, if it's a Fortune 500 company or even a Fortune 50 company, it will be difficult to find any type of the right person to contact unless it's a really niche department. If you look at, say, Google or Hewitt Packard or whatever, I mean, they'll have, for me, like a recruiting department of hundreds or thousands of people. They'll have mm-hmm. 50 directors of talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. For, for medium-sized companies or smaller companies, this is surprisingly easy to do. It doesn't mean everyone's mm-hmm. going to reply, but if a company has 50, 100, even 500 employees, you can typically just type in, when you find their company, search by people and type in, the job titles you're interested in, you might find two people or one person, I mean, just a goldmine. And if they say no, you're most likely just going to be connected with them anyway. You can talk to them again in a year or two or when the time's right. I think it's one of the smartest, most proactive job-seeking tips I've heard. So thank you for that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You talk about job search techniques that actually work. That one that you just said is dynamite. Do you Mm -hmm. have one or two others that we can apply to our job search? Getting referrals, by far my number one top strategy. If you are applying for jobs online, most positions receive somewhere between like two and 400 applicants. So if you can get that referral, it will help you stand out above. Reaching out and connecting with people in advance of interviews, if you can, always such a great idea. Preparing very well for interviews in advance and actually knowing what the interview process looks like. So an interview with a recruiter is typically going to be very different than the interview with a hiring manager versus peers versus senior leadership. And that's typically like the the types of roles that I see. And so being prepared well in advance so that you know what points to hit with your interview process. And getting back to the job search, it is a numbers game. And I have so many people come to me and they're like, I've been applying for jobs for months and I'm not getting anything. And I'm like, well, let's talk about numbers. How many jobs have you applied for? Well, and I'm like, how many jobs have you applied for per week? Well, they, they start to like count their numbers and come to find out they've applied for 20 jobs over the last three months or something like that. And it's like, OK, I understand as a job seeker, sometimes it's just hard to like get in and do the work, but you got to do the work. It is a numbers game and you got to think of this as like a marketing and sales process. 
And if you think about big companies that do marketing, even little companies that do marketing, even like for me in my coaching business, it is a numbers game. Does everybody who come to me sign up for my services? No. Does everybody who comes to my website actually contact me? No. So it's like, you got to think about this and just treat it as a business problem versus a personal problem. So if you can get yourself in the right mindset, I think that probably, quite honestly, that's probably my number two tip is get in the right mindset. And then number three, make sure that you are applying for enough of the, applying for enough jobs and applying for enough of the right opportunities as well. What type of person do you typically help at Dynamo Careers? So I mostly work with mid to senior level professionals that are working in tech. I've definitely worked with a lot of people who are in their early career as well. Most folks who come to me are looking to level up in some way, shape or form in their career. So maybe they're looking to get promoted into leadership or a higher level of leadership, or they're looking to specialize and kind of niche down, or they just not clear on hey, I don't even know what I'm doing in my career. Like I've got some good work experience, but I've just hopped from job to job. And now I'm looking backwards at my career path. And I'm like, this doesn't make as much sense as I would like it to. And I'm not really sure what I want to do moving forward. So I help people clarify, like, what is the next best thing for them in terms of what they want to be doing, but also how can they maximize their compensation as part of this move? And then also thinking long term that it's like if you whatever position that you accept next, which is usually the goal for our work together, is like, let's land the next thing. But let's also make sure that the next thing is in alignment with a much longer term career trajectory so that you're not just constantly reinventing yourself and constantly trying to figure, OK, now what's next? Now what's next? Now what's next? Like You actually want to be in alignment with a cohesive, strategic career path. So you can actually make some really strong progress over time. Which of your books do you think is most applicable to job seekers? Yeah, I wrote a book called The Pivot Point System, The Five Keys to Transform Your Career, Health and Wealth. And I think that's a wonderful book to look at how to make pivots in your career, but also the whole full game plan of like, how does the rest of your life fit in? Because it's not all about your career. We definitely spend a lot of time at work, but I've always been of the mindset of work to live, not live to work. So what are the other things, the other components that you want to be fitting into the overall puzzle so that when you look back on your life, that you have very clearly thought through things. It was very, you had a very strategic plan and you followed that plan and maybe it didn't always go exactly according to every single detail like you wanted it to. But when you have a plan, things usually stay on the trajectory of what you're looking for versus the other way around, which is you get at some point in time in your career and you look back and say, huh, how did all this fit together and how can I make sense of all of this? Listeners are going to want to connect with you. How can they do it? Absolutely. Come to my website, dynamocareers.com. I have a free assessment that I offer. If you just go to dynamocareers.com forward slash assessment, it's called, does your work for you? And so you can answer a series of questions. It'll give you a personalized output and it really help you understand like, what are the right company cultures and work environments for you specifically? And what should you be thinking about in this next stage of your career so that you can have that more strategic approach 
moving forward. So I'd love it if you come take the free assessment. And you can also come find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So just look for my name, Sonia Price, S-O-N-J-A-P-R-I-C-E. And we'll also link to those in this episode's description. Sonia, before we sign off, do you have any words of encouragement or motivation for job seekers as they take all of this in and get ready to get after it for the rest of the week? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of touched on this earlier, but I think it's so crucially important. And so it's like this whole process of looking for a job. If you can treat it as a business problem, if you put yourself in the shoes of like, pretend you're a business owner and this is a business, business related issue, not you as an individual that has like your person, right? Because it's so easy to like, take things personally. We all get the rejection letters. They come no matter what. When you get those rejection letters, it's like just, okay, great. That wasn't the right fit for me and my business. Moving on. We're looking for the right opportunity for this business, for me. And so getting in the right mindset. And quite honestly, if you believe in a higher power, bring that higher power into this process as well, because I think that can be just a really wonderful place to draw strength and trust and faith and hope from during this process, because I personally believe that there there is a higher power out there for me, and it doesn't even have to have a specific name or a specific religion to go along with it. But I do believe that there are energetic forces at play. So if you align your energy in the right way, I think it's much easier for the right opportunities to come to you versus if you're in a place of doubt and resistance, it's really hard for those opportunities to make themselves known to you. Wonderful. Thank you for bringing that positive energy to us in this episode today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been so great to be here. Thanks for having me, Matthew. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30 45 or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later, once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all, and can help you succeed like I have so many others. It's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged anymore than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.